It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. Hi, I'm Teresa. And I'm Amy. We are two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, Amy. Anything fun and exciting last week? Well, we FaceTime my mother-in-law. She lives in Ajiji, Mexico. And she, like your mother, your mom, and your mother-in-law are big supporters. And she (laughs) was being so supportive of this, of the podcast, and how she's just really enjoyed it. But then she told me that she joined Friends of Ajiji, which is a small group that goes out and collects garbage. She's just done it recently. Oh she kind gosh. of was telling us, telling me about it because of the plogging. And so she, she's like, I know it's not that inspirational. I go, that's so that's great. That's super it's inspirational. inspirational. Totally. Yeah. And reminds me that we need to go plogging. Yeah. So, that so maybe just, tomorrow. That, maybe made tomorrow. Me, that just made me smile. That's awesome. Yeah. I found these two cafes doing something really special and unexpected. Episode 46, you talked about that sweet father and son, Peter and Anthony, the foster story. Well, I heard about this neat cafe, La La Kind Cafe. They want to normalize kindness, which is pretty awesome. But they also have a mission of hiring foster youth. The name La La Land represents a dream world, and this Mm -hmm. cafe wants to bring life, you know, where you feel joy and a place where we're bringing all humans together. Lady Gaga needs to promote that. Yeah. I, that's right up her alley. Exactly. With, with her name. <laughs> with everything. Yeah. Kindness month and all ever, of that. Yeah. I just love their spirit. But as you talked about with the story with Peter and Anthony, statistics of youth who age out of foster care system is staggering. Francis Rahani, a 24-year-old successful restaurateur in Dallas, Texas, was at a business meeting where he heard stories of three youth who had aged out of foster care. It just touched his heart, and he wanted to do something about it. So he thought he'd combine you know, his passions of the kind of the restaurant, culinary world, and then helping foster kids. In 2017, he created We Are One Project, where he set out to provide everything youth needed to become self-sustaining adults. That meant helping them with fine housing, mm-hmm. you know, job placement, mentorship, therapy. Sadly, as much as he tried to make it work, it just it didn't. Um, the youth were unable to maintain the jobs, sometimes even get the jobs. Employers mm-hmm. were just not willing to hire youth with no experience or to spend the time to tra- train them. So Francois... That led him to create this Lala Kind Cafe, where he offers eight-week education, life skills, on-the-job training to be a barista, customer service training, and mentorship, which is so cool. Their program sets up their students for success. They want to create change in the world, encourage humans to be kind to each other. I just love these principles. Prove to you, the customer, how awesome kindness is so that you spread it with people around you. Never underestimate what you expect. People over profits. Well, and customer service is huge, but it's, like, yeah. not there anymore. Well, so I, know. I love that. Well, especially people are kind of maybe a little cranky. So yeah. I just Oh, people are very yeah. cranky. Yes. <laughs> so they measure their success on the positive impact they make in society. Not on how much money they make, which I think is just so awesome. They have three locations in Dallas and one in Santa Monica. Their cafes, I looked up online, they're so cute. They're like this bright white 
and like yellow. It's really cheery. They offer really fun drinks. I had to say this one because it reminded us of all the butterfly mm-hmm, we talk about. Mm-hmm. They have a butterfly latte. It's made Ooh. with blue butterfly pea flour, which I'm not really sure, but it's espresso and milk and ice. I guess it tastes like Fruity Pebbles cereal. It's kind of fun. <laughs> they have an avocado toast called The Queen, which is mashed avocado, cream cheese, everything seasoning. It's like chili flakes and lemon. It just The menu just looks so good. But they literally are spreading kindness in authentic ways, too, like compliments to people when they come in. They have this really fun TikTok video where they drive by, do a drive-by kindness. So one day, Francois grabbed one of his employees. They hopped in a car, and they thought it would be fun just to compliment people. And then they posted on TikTok. It is It just went viral. But they were just like rolled. They rolled down the window, and they just say something to a stranger like, you just look beautiful, or I like And people smile. probably thought they were crazy. And they're caught up there, but it's fun to see their reactions. Yeah. But my and sister... I'm sure made people smile. Yeah. And totally made their day. I know. I just thought... Things, you know, in a silly... In a silly thing, way. Yeah, c- c- catching way. them off guard. Yeah. But, you know... Putting sister, themselves out yeah. there. Yeah. But... To make someone's day. Exactly. I was talking to my sister, and I guess my niece has been there and raves about it. Oh. So, next time I'm visiting, I'm yeah. going to check that out. But the other cafe I write about is this coffee, hip-hop, and mental health in Chicago, Illinois. It's really cool, too. Christopher Lamarck is the founder of this cafe. His background is in music. He's a Christian hip-hop artist under the name uh, Focus One. I'm not familiar with mm-hmm. them, but and he's also a concert pr- producer. His music themes encourage men and women who deal with rejection, abandonment issues, and pain. His music's really positive and super relatable. Along with this journey, he took some time off to focus on some PTSD. He kind of silently been experiencing since childhood, just traumatic upbringing Mm -hmm. and some abuse. And so he sought therapy, which led him to launch this coffee, hip-hop, and mental health cafe. It's really unique. All the cafe proceeds goes to programs and resources for their Normalized Therapy University. I just love that name, Normalize It. Their mission is to serve the people living in high-poverty neighborhoods like in Chicago and other U.S. cities that are exposed to multiple ongoing traumas such as, you know, generational school failure, drug abuse. Incar- well, it's just a cycle. So it's a cycle. and can break inca- the cycle. Inca- right. Inca- incarceration and violence. Their goal is what they do with those funds is to pay offer partial scholarships to fund like five therapy sessions for 250 mm. individuals that's like huge 250,000 dollars is what their their goal is mm-hmm. and you'd love this Teresa because Christopher <laughs> set out a goal in June to run 200 miles between June mm-hmm. and October just to kind of encourage some of his donors mm-hmm. to help with the funding but i just thought that was fun that's- i mean Another incentive. Yeah. He wanted them to earn, you know, burn the calories. Burn the, the calories. calories and it's so good for mental health, too. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. I, I was just so inspired by both of these cafes, how they're helping it people. It makes me want to get on a bus. And like, go. And do our and l- check them little, out. Like, little, yeah. 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 I thought we could even maybe, if we felt bold, do some drive-by kindness. We but, should. But I didn't want to do it in my van because they <laughs> might think we're, we're weirdos. <laughs> In the van. <laughs> we can make some sense. We'll, we'll figure something, something out. Something to think about. <laughs> yeah. I was recently reminded that not everyone is a John McCain fan. Not everyone get, likes I him. I don't get that. Or even admires him, for yeah. that matter. And needless to say, I had to keep my response professional, but I did reply that everyone should. Yeah, I <laughs> admire. totally agree. John McCain. 
And not just because of his military service, although or for like five and a half years. And yeah. on top of that, he had been given the chance to get out and free, but he said he was not leaving until all of his men could leave. So That's hero not, right that there. That is so honorable. I mean, it, yeah, I, mean, I don't the get guy, how people don't get that. I totally agree. A couple times I think he tried to commit suicide over there. I mean, it was the conditions were terrible so the stuff that he endured and then came anyway yeah so he's a hero in that regard but all of his war stories aside his willingness to cross political lines to do what he thought was right for his country that's really what makes me admire john mccain early in their marriage john and cindy mccain took a trip to africa and cindy couldn't understand why john would want to meet with people so politically his opposite but he reminded her that that's where real progress and change take place. Right. He lived his life with that optimistic spirit to learn from our enemies. And he just constantly wanted to make his country better. So how can you not love John McCain? I know. McCain? I know. So, anyway, I read his book, Why Courage Matters. I read that um, too yes. because of you. <laughs> and I still have his book on character that I want to get through. Even though Nick, my youngest, is 18, I, I still think it's never too late to you know, to learn. And I think my boys could still benefit from me going through that and they could maybe learn vicariously through me. But I guess all that to say, I really admire John McCain and I'm grateful for his service to our country, his time as a senator. I can still picture him on an episode of Parks and Rec. I don't think you you don't watch that show. I've never seen it, but I've heard it's So Leslie Nope, she's the star, Amy Poehler. She's having a total meltdown in the coat closet at a political meet and greet, and um, anyway, he came in to get his coat. And an actor, he was not, but it showed he had a sense of humor, and I can totally appreciate that. Oh, that's awesome. With all that said, I knew very little about Mrs. McCain, so I was pretty excited to read her book, Stronger, Courage, Hope, and Humor in My Life with John McCain. You've already heard all about this during our (laughs) runs, so just act surprised, but... It was more than entertaining. I loved to see John McCain from another angle and read her perspective. Not only did she support him with his political endeavors, she had her own philanthropic work away from Washington and Arizona, which I I didn't even know anything about Cindy McCain. John McCain had an allergy to groupthink. As Sydney oh, McCain put it, wow. which I, I, I loved her noting that. That's a fun way of saying that. I, I'm going to start using that. It was one of the qualities she genuinely appreciated in John, and I think she spent their marriage trying to please him. And yeah. I'm not saying that with a negative connotation. Right. Yeah. But quite the opposite. She simply wanted to make her husband proud, which Aww. I think is super sweet. Yeah. And, and, and she wasn't doing it in a submissive, wifey way, but more like a we're partners and we're here to help each other grow right. type of way. And I think those, that right there, total marriage goals. In her younger years, Cindy McCain didn't even want to get married. Oh. And with her family beer company, she was set for life in a very comfortable one at that. Okay. So she, I didn't know that. Wow. I didn't. What was it? Do you know what was the beer company name? Um, well, it's the Hensley something. Okay. Yeah, I don't Just know curious. what brand of beer. Yeah. That's fine. But um, one night at an event in Hawaii, she met John McCain and his all whites. And oh. I don't think it was love at first sight, but I think it was pretty dang close. Nothing like a man in a uniform. <laughs> Officer in a uniform. That's what I need to say. Yeah. And he was a handsome guy. Yeah. I mean, I can totally, I can picture it. But at their initial meeting, they weren't aware of their pretty major age difference. 
A while down the road, John called her for a date, and she lied about her age, adding a few years, and he lied about his age, taking a few years off. (laughs) So it wasn't until they both signed their marriage license that they realized there was was 18 years difference between them. Yeah. Quite a generous gap, for sure. He might have fibbed about his age, but he was very open about the fact that he was married and going through a divorce when they first met. Sadly, I think it was likely the divorce um, was another casualty of the war in his years as a prisoner of war in Vietnam. An ex-wife she could handle being, but being mistreated by people who were on Team Carol, that was the ex-wife's name, was another story. Cindy was so excited to get an invitation for a dinner with President Reagan and was thrilled to discover they were seated next to the president and first lady. At first, she made excuses for Nancy Reagan when she felt like she was snubbing her, thinking surely she wasn't being so rude to ignore her. Yeah. Cindy complimented Nancy on her place setting, her dress, tried to engage in small talk, and all the while making excuses in her head that maybe Nancy didn't hear her or, you know, etc. But Nancy Reagan put those excuses to rest and pointed out that they were there because John had won the election. They were not there because of Cindy. So she did this in front of all the guests. Wow. I know. Ouch. That's a little cutting (laughs) cutting close there. Yes. John McCain's ex-wife, Carol, had worked on the Reagan campaign, and she had gone on to run the East Wing of the White House. So They were on Team Carol, They they definitely (laughs) were Team Carol. But um, Cindy said she quickly realized that not everyone was going to give her a chance, Yeah, and it was something she encountered early on in their marriage. There were were rumors that John was having a midlife crisis when he got together with Cindy. And I'm assuming the rumors stem from the fact that, you know, she was young, she was pretty. And I think people were just jealous and just making assumptions. Wow. Maybe a combination of both. Either way, she didn't hold a grudge to Nancy and pointed out that Nancy Reagan actually taught her to treat people with kindness no matter what. Oh, Which I I love love that. Yeah, that's great that she had that. Yeah. perspective given the her she experience. She learned a lesson, a yeah. lesson from it. Cindy also talked about a pair of size 8 Oxford shoes she had bronzed as a reminder of when John first got into politics. Oh. John and Cindy had gone out together knocking on doors. John was on one side of the street introducing himself and Cindy was on the other side of the street, you know, pointing out her husband, the candidate, on the other side. And I just, I oh. love, I love the picture, but... Yeah. Cindy had the shoes bronzed as a reminder of the 14,206 doors they knocked on. Wow. And I guess it was enough mileage to wear through the sole of one of the shoes. I bet. So, yeah. In the end, it was all worth it. They got 14,000 votes from Well, that's almost, they almost matched. They did. That's almost 100%. <laughs> I know. That's pretty so cool. So he definitely did a good job with that. Cindy was candid in stating that many of John's political scandals were actually her doing found it rather sad that she felt she needed to ask John if she could keep a few of her Democratic friends. When I say that, I don't mean it was sad that she would ask him. I just think it was, you know, I think it was a rather sweet gesture on her part, but I think it's sad that she had to worry about her Republican friends or voters disapproving of, you know, having friends on the other side, so to speak. So, Of course, you know, John said he didn't want her to abandon her Democratic friends. He saw the importance and value of being surrounded by people with all sorts of views. Right. So such wisdom there. Yeah. John valued humankind, Republicans and Democrats, and Cindy clearly admired his bipartisan spirit. She witnessed time and time again the beauty of working together, being able to be civil enough to have discussions, and finding common ground to work from. 
let me tell you, I only admired John Moore after reading the impressions right. he left on her. Yeah. When John was in Washington and got word that Cindy had a stroke, he was scrambling to get home to Arizona as soon as possible. Michael Bloomberg heard about the situation and loaned his plane for it to happen. Cindy Aww. so admired that gesture. She said that after that, he and John became friends, and she admired him forever for his philanthropic work, and they've been friends ever since, despite Aww. his political affiliations. I love that. John admired grit and metal, and Cindy most definitely had to have both of those, being the wife of a politician. I mean, no I matter I what, imagine. I I know you can't catch a break. It's yeah. you're, it's like you're, you're an umpire, yeah. constantly. You, you're nobody likes you. You're good you're if you don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not only did she have to deal with being the new wife, the press and their opponents also put a negative connotation on her being a beer heiress. Life with John, they would always be in the spotlight and open to extreme scrutiny. Putting it mildly. One of the most painful times was his first run for the Republican presidential spot in 2008. Someone had started a rumor that their adopted child was a black love child of John's. While she, I know. (sighs) Yeah, it, it, infuriating. But while she wasn't sure where the rumor started, she had a decent idea and was extremely disappointed, to say the least, that no one seemed to make it right. They just let it run. Needless to say, he lost the presidential bid to Bush and the pain that ensued. I just, I can't even imagine. That's your child. Right. Bridget was an adopted daughter from Bangladesh. On one of Cindy's humanitarian trips, she had returned home with Cindy to get medical attention. And Cindy just could never let her go. So they adopted her, which I think is sweet. Right. When Bridget asked why Bush hated her without even meeting her. Talk about breaking a mom's heart. Yeah. It was a hard reality for Cindy to explain. She said, no child deserves to be the target of lies and innuendo, and it remains the one bitter taste I have of political campaigns. I was disappointed, to say the least, to read that when John became gravely ill, his former running mate, Sarah Palin, didn't call, send a note, tweet, or reach out in any way, shape, or form. I was saddened and surprised with that. But while that surprise broke my heart, there was another surprise that was a lot more pleasant. Cindy wrote about amazing work Ben Affleck does under the radar. Oh, well, that's neat to know. I know, which I'm going to dig about that sometime. I was not happy that he was cast as Batman, but I got to say, after reading this book and learning about his humanitarian causes, I just might break down and watch the Ben Affleck version of Batman. Okay, yeah. Cindy got a call one night from someone claiming to be Ben Affleck, and she was sure it was Ashton Kutcher from Punk. Oh, that was <laughs> so, so fun. It was actually Ben Affleck reaching out for help. The cause on his heart was the humanitarian crisis in the Democratic Republic of Congo. At the time, Aww. one in five kids died before the age of five. That's just huge. Affleck yeah. did a special on ABC, made a film for the UN, and he even started a nonprofit called Eastern Congo Initiative. Wow, they I, didn't, were, I didn't even know that. I didn't either. And she said a lot of the stuff is done so, you know, he doesn't want to make a big deal of it. Right. So, well, um, that's awesome. It is, it is. I loved reading about this. But they were a great team. Cindy loved that they both wanted to roll up their sleeves and get involved instead of just being checkbook charity donors. Right. Which I, I thought that was an interesting concept. She loved that Ben traveled lean and mean, just like she did. He wasn't doing it to polish his resume, but he wanted to listen and learn their politics. 
along. She felt so strongly about the causes that she tagged along during the 2008 campaign season. Her schedulers had assumed she'd declined the invitation. You know, in the middle of a campaign, right, kind of right. a big deal. But she proved to be the maverick, just like her husband, and she chose to follow her heart. Ben discussed issues with leaders and played hoops with the kids oh, like for hours. That's so cute. Cindy spoke with women in the region to discuss future leadership positions, and she commented that she understood the irony of this since we've never had a woman president living in the United States. And she said how we're so behind much of the, you know, the rest of the world where 70 countries have have had women leaders. Female leaders. Yeah. Yeah. Including the UK, Germany, Norway, Ireland, Finland, Iceland, Denmark. New Zealand, Australia, Pakistan, <laughs> the list keeps going. Brazil, Chile, Argentina, Taiwan. I won't list all seventy, but notice, oh, yeah. not the United States. Yeah. Anyway, that needs a change. It does, and I want to go listen to Cindy talk about gender equality. And I guess I need to watch uh, Ben Affleck's Batman. Yeah, be a, a better supporter of Ben Affleck because apparently he's a good guy. After Cindy had her stroke, she spent quite a bit of time in solitude taking time for herself to recover. And I can't imagine the stress these political spouses are under. Constant scrutiny for every, I mean, total microscope for everything you do. Yeah. That must be hard in the marriage, I would think. But they seem to. She pointed out that with medical setbacks, your first goal is to survive. After that, your aim should be to truly live and thrive. She did. After her stroke, she became more involved in causes close to her heart, cares, an organization that fights children's poverty and hunger. Operation Smiles. Oh, which yeah. We've talked, talked about, about that, yeah. With the cleft palate operations. Um, and Halo, H-A-L-O, a nonprofit oh. made popular by Princess Diana trying to rid countries of leftover oh, landmines. Yeah. Right. So on top of all that, she took up drift racing with what? her son. What's like, that? <laughs> apparently, like, it's a two-person thing. One person's, like, driving, and, like, you intentionally oversteer okay. kind of with a loss of traction. And, and I, I don't get it wow. at all. Wow. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah. Google that. Um, kind of a thrill, yeah. thrill thing. And pretty impressive that she would go do that with her son. Bonding time. Yeah. I love it. That's great. I also love so much how John and Cindy worked together as a team. He supported her through an opioid addiction, which I was not aware of until this book. Yeah. She was very candid that the McCain scandals stemmed from her or were a result of decisions or situations she felt she had created. I just so admire her humble heart throughout this book. Talk about it. I know. She just is very candid. Yeah. But also with a fiery spirit. And I appreciate that, too. Her honesty with her opioid abuse was refreshing. She explained how easy it was for her to continue to use without being questioned. She was an upper-class white woman, so no one ever questioned if she had a problem. Yeah. She didn't have a problem getting pills. And now, being a recovered addict, she's nervous to take, you know, anything. anything. Sure, yeah. So another scandal arose because Cindy couldn't find a canceled check to prove they had paid their own way for some vacations. Throughout the years of vacation with a friend, always paying their own fare, but when the friend was in hot water for some shady business, and that's oh. me being kind, yeah. the McCains wanted to prove they weren't getting kickbacks or special treatment or free right. trips or vacations from this guy. And so the easiest way would just be to provide the canceled checks, but yeah. she could not find them. Oh. She later did find them years later, but it wasn't in time to... Oh clear up for John with this scandal. So 
I so admire that he didn't dwell on hardships he faced. Right. Instead, he was always looking ahead at what he wanted to accomplish and oh, goals, the right. future, the future. Yeah. How can we get better? We're talking a guy who couldn't lift his arms over his head after years of abuse in the prisoner of war right. camp. So he still didn't hold a grudge, and he was constantly looking for ways to improve the country because he loved it so much. There was one time that wasn't the case, and John McCain held a bit of a grudge. Oh. Well, at least one time in the book. I'm, yeah. You know, there probably were more, but... Hey, um, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> exactly. He had a bad taste in his mouth for John Kerry. John Kerry was also a Navy man who had fought in Vietnam, and when Kerry returned home, he led a protest against the Vietnam War and tossed the medals and ribbons oh. he had received in the war. The story got back to John McCain in Holea, and years later, he would head to Massachusetts to support Kerry's opponent in the 1984 Senate campaign. Still, that grudge wouldn't last forever, or if it did, he hid it well. He and John Kerry were on the same side when they met with President Bill Clinton in 1995 to say it was time to end the embargo against Vietnam. Now, he was standing up against people like Bob Dole, Graham, and many members of his own party, but he felt, once again, he felt it was the right decision. Yeah. And according to John McCain, he said, doesn't matter to me anymore, Mr. President, who was for the war or who was against it. I'm tired of looking back in anger. What's important is that we move forward now. That's really timely. I know. (laughs) I mean, that wisdom. Exactly. One part of the book that was... So eye-opening for me and just made me realize how much our health care system is broken and Mm -hmm. needs help is this story. Naturally, I would assume that John McCain had premium insurance. He was a war hero, served his country as a senator for three decades. His wife had a great job. All veterans deserve good health care. Right. Yeah. It's the least we can do for their service. But Cindy found herself in a battle with the insurance company. The doctors were prescribing chemotherapy, and the insurance company wasn't on board. So the insurance representative asked Cindy if she really thought it was needed. Oh, my goodness. I I I shouldn't even believe it. I know. Cindy was in disbelief that they were at the mercy of the insurance company. I mean, the doctors were prescribing these meds, and the insurance company, "Mm, are you sure that's what he needs? So most Americans can't do what Cindy did next, but I love that she's using her voice and influence to raise the issue. In addition to being John McCain's wife, I own the Hensley Company. I have 1,600 employees, and you are our healthcare provider. If you want me to pull the plug on those policies, I will. You can explain to your boss why. So the representative changes her tune and said that, you know, it would be approved and they could pick up the prescription in two weeks. Once again... Mrs. McCain wouldn't have it. She said she'd pick it up in an hour at the Mayo Clinic. And I totally understand why John McCain voted not to repeal the Affordable Care Act, angering many in his party, once again, putting it lightly. But he stood his ground because he didn't want to take away a health care option until they had something else in place. Yeah. So this is just yet another example of they need attention. Yeah, exactly. Near the end of his life, the press was doing everything they could to get a glimpse of the great war hero deteriorating, resorting to helicopters and oh. drones. I just, I can't even imagine. Yeah, like given the privacy so to just disrespectful. have his time. He had many visitors. Mitt Romney, Lindsey Graham, Joe Biden were in the mix. And when they left, they would merely give words of admiration um, about John to the press. 
Cindy had bought him a fancy bed that they could roll around in, and they'd roll it out onto the deck. Oh, you could sweet. see the canyon out there. And yeah. um, I guess he took his last breath to Frank Sinatra's My Way. Aww. I love that his at his memorial service, his friend Rick Davis would tease that only John McCain could rig a birthday celebration for himself like this. His memorial <laughs> was on what would have been his 82nd birthday. Wow. Aww. He had picked his pallbearers, including Michael Bloomberg, Vladimir Kara Mutsra, which I guess he was a Russian okay. guy who had stood up to Putin. Okay. And Warren Beatty. Oh, wow. That's I- kind of a... <laughs> He's kind Very of... Very eclectic. Yeah. But Joe Biden spoke at the service, and he started it with saying, my name is Joe Biden, I'm a Democrat, and I love John McCain. Aww. Love. Yeah. Joe had presented an award to John at the National Constitution Center in Philadelphia, and John would give what would be his final speech for the American people when he accepted it. John and Joe definitely loved each other, a result of years working as senators for, for and against each other. Yeah. The eulogy was emotional and I'm going to jump in, but that speaks to what kind of character Both they of have if you, can, if you can have differences. Exactly. And still work, work together. Well, I, and you know. um, Kennedy, mm-hmm. he had this same brain cancer. Bo had the same brain cancer. So, I mean, all of the, yeah. uh, they, they did come together even though they had differing viewpoints. But that just says a lot about, like I said, that who they are. Exactly. Yeah. About their character. Yeah. The eulogy was emotional and passionate, and I guess at times brought him to tears. Like I said, possibly because it's the same disease that took his son, Bo. Oh, but yeah. um, he said, character is destiny, and John had character. Oh. And understatement, for sure. I'm adding the understatement. He yeah. didn't say that. Yeah. I think his memorial summed it up. John had said, we have always had so much more in common with each other than disagreement. Mm. And that was evident... With, you know, the people he picked to have at his service. President Bush noted that above all, John detested the abuse of power. He could not abide bigots, swaggering despots. There was something deep inside him that made him stand for the little guy. Speaks for the forgotten people in forgotten places. And I just... Yeah. To be admired in that way. And for, you know, former President Bush to say that. Love. When Barack Obama spoke, he said that he and John met often at the White House to talk politics and policy, and neither of them ever doubted that they were on the same team. He said he, quote, never saw John treat anyone differently because of their race, religion, or gender. So, just love him. This book only made me love John McCain even more, and I discovered a newfound appreciation for Cindy McCain. She definitely reminded us that she's a better human because of her life with John. Just like I think all of us can learn from him. He made her a better person, and that she wanted to share that was beautiful. I want that ability to forgive in my life, to learn, and try to gain a better understanding of others, to have grit and metal. I loved that. that He admired that. And to do my best to build bridges around me. Right. I could keep going on in ways that Cindy McCain impressed me with um, stuff throughout her book, but I think every adult should read it, learn from it. And try to keep his spirit alive. It's another story of crossing the aisle and the world better because of it. When you come right down to it, even in the most public and visible moments of life, family is still all that really matters. Cindy McCain. 
I found a couple stories related yeah. to people doing stuff in the community that Fun. I just think are inspiring. There was a mom posted a picture on Reddit of she had made a homemade manatee oh. uh, for her son for his fifth birthday, and she couldn't afford to buy him a new one. So she used his old baby blanket, made him a manatee, yeah. and posted on Reddit. And that day, I guess it was the most popular picture on there. I don't know how oh, that really works. But anyway. That's awesome. Both he and his mom are domestic violence survivors. Not a lot of money. Yeah. So obviously this was, it was hard to, for his birthday. But they started seeing hundreds of toy manta rays squids and other plush animals coming in people just were sending sending them them toys for his birthday sweet so one anonymous donor contacted the blue zoo which is near where they live and donated a 100 dollars gift card for the family to go and see real stingrays oh so i guess his hero is steve irwin oh so they said most people go to the the spot with the stingrays and just kind of look and then mosey on he was there for like an hour just at that one spot so he was you know, in love. All the attention even got him a spot on the Ellen show. With their newfound publicity, they're highlighting the Mana Trust, which is a conservation group that rescues and rehabilitates the graceful sea creature. People mm-hmm. can adopt a ray. Oh wow, that's at cool. the Mana Trust. Yeah. She said, My son's favorite part of all this is having a bunch of sea friends to cuddle with at night. He has so many stuffed sea animals that there's barely any room for him on his bed. Aww. But he insists on sleeping with all of them. She said, the outpouring of love and kindness has brought an oh-so-rare smile to his face, and that is worth more to me than anything else. And I just love that simple things. Right. She just posted that picture of a very modest craft that she had made her son for his birthday, and then people just showered them with love. Yeah. It makes me hopeful that there's people out there. Exactly. I also found a set of sisters, Lily and Evie. Lily is 17. She had worked at a summer camp with refugee children and wanted to do something to help kids in the transition. She said, these are people that have mostly been through some of the most horrific circumstances and situations all over the world. Now, some of them are victims of health crises, natural disasters, government upheaval. I mean, things they they can't control, but... For Lily and her sister, Evie, who's 14, they wanted to do something to help out, and they decided to pack up some school supplies. So Lily said she always loved getting fancy school supplies oh, before yeah. school, and it helped her with the love of learning. Sure. You know, getting... I always, I'm oh, my talking kid, about... Yeah. My, well, my youngest one still loves doing oh, that. Oh, I do, yeah. too. And I'm not even She's in school, grade, but yeah. I always lo- loved getting my syllabus and calendar yeah. and all of that. So she thought it would be a great way to help the refugee children to get them some school supplies and might set them up to love learning like she does. Right, yeah. So they started with the baking, you know, they baked um, some goods and sold them, and then they did a campaign to raise money. Anyway, the two ladies raised over $4,000 and were able to stuff 240 backpacks. That's awesome. I know. That's great. These are just, you know, two... Normal girls that are what just doing hearts. what they can. Yeah, good exactly. Heart. So I just loved these stories of community coming together and doing their part to just make the world a better place in yeah. easy ways, yeah. just right in where small you're ways. At. Exactly. Yeah. Remember in episode twenty-eight, we talked about Lady Diana and her children. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, Prince William and Prince Harry both have done 
really a lot of great philanthropic work for the environment, homeless. She would be so proud. Oh, mental health. Yeah, she totally, you know, just to continue yeah. her, her legacy. Unfortunately, they also have had a lot of controversy in the media, especially Meghan Markle and Prince Harry. And as you know, we all have read and know that they left the monarchy last year, moved to California with their son, Harry, and now they've got their young daughter, Lilibet. Um, they're trying I to, love that I name. Know, I know. It's so cute. But. Trying to start a new life. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's sadly, there's been so much press about the rift between Prince William. The brothers. The brothers. Yeah. But it was so nice that I was reading that early spring, that after the death of Philip, they, Duke of Edinburgh, that their their grandfather, that the two of them put those differences aside to honor him. Mm-hmm. And it was maybe a small step in the right direction. Things are... What's important. What's important. Looking at what's important. And I can, I just think Diana would be yeah. so happy to see this. Yeah. I mean, that's what parents want. The, the You the want bonding. your... The bonding. Yeah. So. yeah. And them to come together in times of crisis. Right. And that's really... And perch. When it matters. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. so knowing that they have each other, that's awesome. Throughout life, people will make you mad, disrespect you, and treat you bad. Let God deal with the things they do, because hate in your heart will consume you too. Will Smith. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com. Or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.